What up, everybody? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your boy, Emmanuel. I'm back in the kitchen. I'm whipping it up, and today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash SXSNDLS. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And today is going to be the first of the Young Black Entrepreneur Series, man. I don't think y'all know. I don't think y'all know who y'all listening to right now. Like, real <laughs> talk, man. This dude goes by the name, because that's his government, of Tevin Tavares. Say what's up to the people, Tevin. Man, what's good? What's good? Ain't nothing, man. Real, real quick, man, before you speak, man, before you bless the mic real quick. <laughs> This brother is 24, 24, 24, yeah. 24 years old, man. Um, he is, I'm just going ahead and say he's the next Ryan Coogler. I'm just, I'm going to speak it into the existence. You know what I mean? Man. Like this man is a director. He's a great mind, great writer. Um, and what he's going to put out and what he has put out already is just beautiful pieces of work when it comes to videos and just visuals and putting the music together with it bro like it's, it, it's amazing bro. man but uh tell the people who you are where you're from and what you're about bro man bro so my name is tevin uh like he said tavares um the tavares is my last name people always ask me like if i'm hispanic or anything <laughs> but but really it's uh it's portuguese it's, okay. it's really uh based from k verde so Word. I'm Kay Verde, and that's where my last name comes from. I researched that. Well, my dad told me, because mm-hmm. my dad's dad was Kay Verde, and people don't know what Kay Verde is, but it's like a, um, it's like a, a island, island like off the coast of Ghana in Africa. Word. So you know, how, like everybody saw Black Panther and was like, yeah, yeah. "Oh yeah, I'm doing DNA," but I'm like, "Man, we already already know, I already know. From. you yeah. know what I'm saying?" That's so, what's up. Uh yeah, so left eye is K Verdian, uh Amber Rose, K Verdian, like mm. real like ambiguous, like you don't really I know. Amber, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yo, like people don't like, man, what is like it's like you it's like that it's a mix between Portuguese and African. Word. So people always ask like, Man, what's up with your last name? But you know, that's yeah what it comes from. That's but, dope. Yeah, I'm from the Bay Area. Um grew up, man, Hayward, Oakland, uh primarily. Uh, but yeah, it's just um, it's a blessing to be here in Portland now. Uh, yeah, bro, just sitting here with E, it's it's been a blessing, man. Man, I'm glad you came through, man. And and this is, I've been looking forward to this, bro. Like I'm not playing no games. I'm not lying to you. I'm not gassing <laughs> you, bro. I've been looking forward to this, man. Cause like I've been watching you work, and we just met what a couple months ago. Yeah, bro, like two months ago, bro. Yeah, not, man, might might have been three though. Yeah, it might have been three. It was like right after I quit my job. And I had free time to just link with people and connect. Made that big move. Made that move, bro. And so he was like one of the first entrepreneurs that I met up with. Because Ben, shout out to the plug, Ben Katoko. Oh, yeah, yeah, bro. Ben always been the plug. Word, word. So uh, he plugged us. And then you plugged me with Oba. And that relationship is like something else. You know what I mean? Was, so you know everything saying? is happening. It's like it's God's plan. You That's know? facts. Always God's plan, bro. Yeah, man. Always is. Always, bro. So tell, tell the folks really quickly, you know, what brought you to Oregon? And then what was your first reason of, you know, becoming an entrepreneur and doing everything yourself? Yeah, bro. So... Man, so I, I want to say around 20, 2012, um, I was sitting down and it was like Brian had like just won his first championship game. You know what I'm saying? I think he had won with the Heat. 
Yeah. And Nike had put out this commercial called like the Ringmaker, mm. and they had like Marvin Gaye playing in the background, and LeBron had went through all these like trials and tribulations. Like they showed this Ringmaker as he was like developing and crafting this ring, to and then he finally got it when he won the championship. Mm. So in the in the in the in the commercial, they had like Marvin Gaye's like I want you playing. So it, it the commercial just like resonated with me so much and touched me in a way that I've never been felt before because mm. it was almost like, you know, that senior year of my high school, like I broke my hand playing football. Um, my grades weren't like the best. So I had to go to like a junior college. Yeah. So it was kind of like, you know, I saw myself as LeBron, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, you know, you go through all this stuff and then you finally get the ring is when, you know, whenever, you, whenever I accomplish my major goal, right. you know what I'm saying? So, once I saw that commercial, I realized like how much like film, commercials, like et cetera, how those can like affect you in a way. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it affected me was because like I said, the Marvin Gaye, my dad used to play Marvin Gaye all around the house like when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Because his dad used to listen to Marvin Gaye. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like once that once I saw that, I was like, all right, boom, I want to make commercials for Nike. Mm. Like so, it's like I saw that commercial. I was like, all right, I want to do crazy. that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I was like 18 years old. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So from there, I just set on out. Like, all right, I'm gonna go to a junior college, grind. I'm gonna get scholarships, um, and then I'm gonna go to Oregon because mm-hmm. I know if I want to work for Nike, I gotta go to Oregon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's a great path to choose. <laughs> so yeah, bro. So pretty much, bro. Like. I got an internship with the Golden State Warriors uh, when I was in junior college. Uh, bro, I was really, like, putting, like, you know, those little, you know, uh, shirts that they put on chairs right. and all that. I was doing all that. Oh, I was handing out coupons from, like, Jamba Juice and Jack in the Box to right. fans. Yeah. But I was stashing them on a low in my car, bro. <laughs> oh, bro. Stacking I was up. Oh, yeah, bro. Yeah. I was eating Jack in the Box and, and, and Jamba Juice, bro, free for, like, a while, Word. like, that year. So, um, hey, when you a college student, no, you got to do stuff like that, bro. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, hard yeah. out there when you oh, in college, yeah, bro. You're super yeah. broke, just off like, tops. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I wasn't even in. Co- I was in junior college, but yeah. I was still like, nah, bro. Like, you feel me? Like, I had the the '97 <laughs> Corolla, bro. I was it was I was just mobbing Pushing to school, it. mobbing yeah. to work, bro. Like yeah. making moves. So then, um, that summer, I remember I finally got into U of O. Mm-hmm. One of the happiest days of my life. Um, but also, bro, like that summer was real key to me because I was also being Spider Man at kids' parties. Mm. So, like, bro, like you talk about like real talk hustling. Like, I was being <laughs> Spider Man, like dressing up as Spider Man and going to kids' parties, like you know, dancing, singing, all that. But I was getting strike cash. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So that's a hustle right there. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. And then on top of that, before I left, like the youth center that I went to, uh, that I that I like you know volunteer that i was a life coach at the east oakland youth development center mm. which is a, a a youth center owned by regina jackson who's like literally hands down like the queen of oakland yeah. you know what i'm saying so i got the chance which like, one is regina jackson is she is she famous or no nah she ain't okay. even famous okay. like she's just known in oakland like i'm thinking around of the world. who's regina the one that regina did, king regina king yeah. that did the uh boondocks boondocks yeah, yeah. okay okay so yeah. bro like you feel me like just before i left to go to oregon like you know, I just made sure I was like, man, let me get back to the youth, to the kids, Word. and uh, yeah, it was it was a dope summer. And when I finally got out to Oregon, it was just I had one track on my head, bro, and it was like I got to work for Nike. So I was just networking, moving, networking, moving, networking, moving, 
And then my senior, my sophomore year, going into my junior year summer, I just stayed up in Portland mm-hmm. all summer. Mm-hmm. And like, bro, literally, when I talk about, I was going, I was working at a Nike store downtown, mm-hmm. and I was. Uh, Working at a Nike store downtown, and I, you had like a black badge that mm-hmm. can like get you access in the, into the Nike campus. Word. So from there, bro, I was like volunteering at Nike. I was working camps, networking with people, trying to set up meetings. And I was like 19, bro, yeah. like 19, 20. Because uh, I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, shoot, bro. After that, my junior year going into my senior year i knew i wanted to get an internship so bro i got an internship with jordan brand wow yeah bro like in the nike internships are like some of the like like most prestigious internships to get it's like up there with like google apple right. and all that yeah. so got that internship bro and then my life really changed that summer bro because i was sitting down and i was watching this dame dash interview mm. And he says straight up, like, you're not a boss. If somebody can tell you when to wake up and when to go to sleep, you're not the man of your household. If if another man, you know, decides where your next paycheck comes from. Mm. And, bro, this dang Dash interview, like, it just hit me super tough where I was like, man, bro, I, I want to create and, and run my own stuff. So, you know. So um, you, had the, you had the Nike commercial, the LeBron commercial. Yep. That hit you. And well and and really, bruh, like if you really want to get into details, like my junior year going into my senior year of that internship, mm-hmm. my homie Carlisle, who's from the Bay, mm-hmm. he had came to me, was like, Yo, bruh, like nobody's making real commercials, like advertising anymore. And he was like, you know, I wrote this he wrote this script about this kid that was grinding to get a pair of J's, like super tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then when he finally gets it, he gets robbed and killed for it. Mm-hmm. So which is like, you know, a story we see all over the news. Mm-hmm. Like we seen stuff happen like this in the bay. Mm-hmm. And uh bro, I was like jokingly, I was like, Oh bro, I'll act in it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I ended up acting in the film and you know, we were going to New York for an advertising trip like two days after and we put it out, bruh. And by the time we landed in New York, it was the film went viral. Wow. Like it was on Complex, Double XL, like everybody there's there's people that I've met to this day who are like, bruh, I saw this and I was like, Yo, I, why have I not seen that yet, bro? Oh, you haven't seen <laughs> no. it yet? Yeah, bruh. It's on it's on my website. It's called the shoes. Okay, okay. So uh yeah, bro. Like, so that was when my plug mind the, plug the website really quickly. Oh yeah, uh, Tevin T E V I N J Tavares T A V A R E S. So you could just look up my name, Tevin Tavares, on Google, and the first thing will pop up is my website. Word. So, uh, yeah, bro. Like, we did, <laughs> we literally did this film, and I saw how a film that just a group of homies can make can go viral and touch millions of people across mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm. so that's when i just got hooked and what y'all put it on you just put it on youtube or bro what? we put it on youtube mm-hmm. and i think like one of my homeboys uh my or carlisle's brother mike sent it to complex and complex picked it up mm-hmm. and then from there it just went viral wow like that was like the first viral like where i'm literally like on complex where i scroll down like every day yeah i see my face right there you that's know what crazy. i'm saying yeah so it was just wild bro and and then I remember thinking about my Jordan internship, like, man, I might lose it because Complex said some foul stuff. And the, and the, uh, and the thing is, like, oh, these are University of Oregon students 
bashing, mm-hmm. bashing, you know, Jordan brand. So they I put was their like, own little spin on it. Yeah, bro. Yeah. So I was like, man, bro, I might lose my internship. <laughs> I don't know what I'm about to do, but I don't even think them cats saw. I think they were like, you know, they weren't tripping. So right. coming in my senior year, um, I was talking with my girl and I was like, you know, if I was a, you know, come over the agency, what would it be nice? She was like, what about like combined culture? You know, because being from the Bay, it's like I'm around, I've been around and raised around so many different cultures. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when you combine cultures, you get so many different perspectives on life. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, bruh, like, real talk, like, I literally coming into my senior year at Oregon, it was like, all right, cool. What's the next move that we going to make? And uh, at Umqua Community College, man, bruh, like, there was a shooting, like, 45 minutes from Eugene. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. bro. So, okay. so we was like, you know, let's make a video and share like the perspective of what it's like to to actually make it out. Because mm-hmm. they always tell the stories of the victims, but never the people who actually survived and what they got to deal with. That's real. So, bro, I was like, all right, cool. Like now, I'm about to try. Like I'm about to try. I'm about to still act in it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, let me try. Like you know, writing it. Let me try directing it mm-hmm. as well. So, bro, got together with the homies. Um, it was like six of us: my homie uh, Sutton, my homie Laren, my homie uh, Jose, and my other homie uh, Greg. Mm-hmm. And bro, we just made this film. And next thing you know, when we put it out, viral again. Wow. We were on the news in Eugene. Um, it went. It, a lot of people just loved it. They cried. They shed tears. And it's on the website. Yeah. Okay. And then we. It's called Numb in America. And mm. then we submitted it. My homie submitted it to this like college Emmys award mm. where it's like nationally known, and we ended up getting in. Wow. Getting nominated. Yeah. Um. So then, bro, that was like in November of my senior year. Mm-hmm. So we go back. We go back home. Everybody's celebrating, you know, for Christmas, and then we come back. Like, man, what are we gonna do next? And we like, man, let's let's make a uh, fuck it, let's make a uh, let's make a commercial for Kanye West and mm-hmm. Adidas. You know, they haven't done one for her yet, so we do it. So mm-hmm. that's where I want to say combined culture really started was, you know, Kanye. I've seen him collaborate with so many people and bring so many like-minded individuals together. Mm-hmm. So, bro, I was like, you know what, I'm about to just play Kanye on it. And anybody I knew who liked Kanye. I just brought him in on this project. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you like Kanye? All right, bro, you the homie? Like, And I brought like a team of like 16 people together for this one project. Mm-hmm. And, and this bro, is obviously pre-Maga Hat Kanye. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, let's just yeah. make sure everybody's yeah, yeah, clear about pre, that. Yeah, yeah. So this is before, <laughs> like, this is like Life of Pablo. You Where, know what I'm saying? Okay. So the, actually, it's funny. Like, we were like, let's uh, drop the video like a day before Life of Pablo comes mm-hmm. out. So, bruh, literally got together this group of 16 individuals and, you know, this is, you know, um, men, female, you know, it's literally, you know, kids from Houston, kids Mm -hmm. from Florida, kids from the Bay, kids from L.A., kids from Oregon, kids from everywhere, different majors, different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. you know, it's literally like combined culture Mm -hmm. and we would just come in and we created this campaign about how, Kanye has inspired our generation just to become creatives. Mm. And bruh, sure enough, goes viral. Goes viral. <laughs> it's like, you know, Nice Kicks picked it up. People from Adidas saw it. People from Kanye's team saw it. And they were just like, wow, like, you would think this is an actual, like, Adidas commercial. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't. It was just, like, some false stuff. And 
literally I told myself, I was like, all right, if I can make this, then I'll get a job with Adidas Originals. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, bro, like I ended up getting a job with Adidas Originals before I graduated. Um, I, I came in there on a high horse. I was like, man, bro, like here we go. Um, I got this job before I even graduated. Mm-hmm. You know, we good. I'm about to move to Portland. I'm about to be working on kind of like stuff for Kanye and coming up with videos and ideas with like for Pharrell and all this. Yeah. Nah, didn't happen. Like, what you mean it didn't happen? Like whatsoever? Nah, like it was literally like I came in and they were like, nah, you're a marketing coordinator. So it was like, you know, you're you're gonna be you know developing PowerPoints and doing like you know coordinator work so they didn't they didn't hire you for did they tell you that they weren't going to hire you as a like video nah, coordinator? They, nah they 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 saw my talent and work but they were just like you know the position that i applied for was marketing coordinator so i think it was just you know it's it's a coordinator job it's okay. a it's like one of those where it's like you're going to be doing everything from you know you know planning out what we're going to eat to to doing budgets to doing all it's a real you know corporate job you know what i'm saying so it's like it's almost like an internship of what you kind of really wanted to do but it's like all right you got to start at the bottom no it wasn't even it wasn't even that that's why i'm saying i learned there's a difference between like client side and agency side okay so me going client side with adidas Mm -hmm. bro like adidas doesn't really handle any of the creative stuff Oh, they outsource everything. Exactly. Oh. So I was pretty much I was handling budget. Mm-hmm. You know, I was saying I was doing like all these little like small tasks. Like, no, I'm good. Okay. I was doing all these little small tasks, and it was like you know I was miserable, bro, yeah. <laughs> working a nine to five because I was like, bro, like, you know, I know in my spirit, like I'm a self starter. Like yeah. I knew like. Bro, like I knew, I know I can bring together a team of people and create a campaign or video or whatever that that can get seen by millions of people. Yeah. So it was like, I think the having the nine to five at Adidas kind of taught me to stay disciplined, mm. you know, and and to be fundamentally like structured and like how I run my day and how I organize and and how I pretty much, you know, from concepting to ideas. But it it, it pretty much taught me to to be disciplined and have my mind think like foundational of like what steps do I need to take because that's what I need to do on a daily basis whether I was you know handling million dollar budgets and sending out invoices to agencies or you know I was you know helping set up meetings and all that I was pretty much like a coordinator trying to run and talk to as many people as I can and you know anything that the head boss told me to do I had to do it Mm -hmm. you know almost like an assistant role so that humbled me because it's like here I am. I'm thinking like, oh, I'm about to come in and change the game, like you know. But it was like, nah, like, bro, sit, sit down. And, did they and ever learn. talk to you about the video that you made? Did they? Mention oh yeah, it? bro. Like okay. they they love the video, but they but they knew, didn't like, want to exactly. use that part of your talent, actual whatsoever, factual. Okay. Wow. Yes. Okay. So that's great. This is where things start to change in my life. Um, Kendrick dropped down. Mm. So when Kendrick dropped down. Like there was this song that kept popping up in my head called Lust. Mm-hmm. So I saw it in my head visually. Like I used to play it in my whip and I'd be like, cause it's like repeated actions that a black man does to like kill himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I remember I was at Adidas and I was going to people. I was like, man, bro, like, you know, I got this video idea. People were like, I was like, listen to the song. And I would have people listen to the song and they're mm-hmm. like, wow, like I see it. Mm-hmm. 
So May 15th, 2017, I come into work and I see an email like, hey, like, you know, we're going to need you to come in, sit down with HR and all that. Mm -mm. And I go and it's my, it's two of my managers and HR and like, hey, it's going to be your last day with the brand. And in my head, I was thinking like blessing in disguise. Mm. You know what I'm saying? What was their reasoning? Oh, bro, it was, we were going through so many like conflicts like throughout the year, bro. Mm. Like there was a lot of, a lot of like, it was, it wasn't the best of, of, you know, leadership, but it was also just like, there was a lot of immaturity on my part. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, me coming fresh out of college and being at Adidas, like, it was just a lot of stuff I had to learn, a lot of mistakes that I had made. You right. know, I'm not even, I'm a man up to that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, bro, like, I, you know, got fired. And immediately in my head, I was thinking, like, no, nah, it's a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. So, bro, I was like, you know what? Let me take advantage of this. And I went down to Eugene with my homie Sutton. And, bro, literally, <laughs> we, we were like, yo, let's make this Kendrick video. And it was pretty much about... We got my homie to, to act in it, and it was pretty much about this this black guy. He's smoking weed, drinking, you know, having unprotected sex, doing dumb shit with the homies, mm -hmm. and literally, it, you see him repeating it day after day, and it catches up with him, mm. and then he ends up getting shot by the police. I seen that video, bro. I was like, yo, that's heavy. So, bro, and like, I didn't like when I listened to that song. It didn't. I didn't have a visualization for it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But then when I watched the video, I'm like, yo. <laughs> Appreciate it. Like, you it. just brought out so much more to the song that I wasn't even paying attention to. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah. Like, and that's that's what I wanted people to see. Yeah. And sure enough, fourth time, goes viral. Mm-hmm. And ends up going on Complex, Double XL, like, Hot New Hip Hop, Two Dope Boys. Like, it's literally people think it's an actual music video for Kendrick. I thought I was like, "Yo, you got put on." You know nah, what I mean? But right. I was, just, I was yeah. just scrolling through your uh, the Vimeo joint. Yeah, you know what I, mean? I was just like, "Did he? What? What just?" Yeah. <laughs> nah, bro. So, me and the homies, like the team, the squad, CC, like we just put it together again, and people thought it just it that was the most I've never seen a video of that like go viral. You know mm. what I'm saying? And like I said, that was just an idea I had in my head in my car, mm. and to see like people in Africa and, you know, complex UK, like, tweeting mm. about it. Like, this is, like, people across the globe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it was wild, bro. People's parents were proud. Like, it was mm. just like, man, I see, my, you know, one of my homies, Dwayne, like, his mom and his family, who, he, they were like, man, like, you know, he's getting seen. And he was just like, man, my, my parents are so proud. And, yeah. You know, that's, that always means a lot to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, pretty much, bro. Um, so, how many, how long... Was that after you got fired from Adidas? Oh, bro, that was when the video came out. Oh, it was it yeah. was about three weeks. So a it month, took maybe. So only a month later, you had a viral video. Yeah. Wow. And people at Adidas were like, they were. That's my. That's always been my goal, bro. It's mm -hmm. like I wanted. I wanted people to be in the office because I know people <laughs> who scroll through Complex all day, a, all day, and I want. I was like, nah, bro. Like, I want. I want them to be scrolling past, and it said right there, like Tevin Tavares, like you know, in the headline. Where, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was just like you know that sweet taste of revenge. You know what I'm saying? So what? So what was like? What was that like? Was people hitting you up? Was they like? Hey. Oh no, my my homie Sharif like hit me up and was like, hey, bro, like <laughs> they're we're at this offsite right now and. <laughs> 
and they just one of the people like just told to my managers who like had fired me they were like yeah, yeah did you see Tevin's video it was on complex mm-hmm. and he was like man dog they sick man yada, <laughs> yada. and I was just like I was laughing because it was just yeah. like you know bro like you know God God always got a plan you know what I'm saying so after the video came out um I went I, I went I luckily enough got brought on to an agency called Empire Green mm-hmm. and you know, God forbid, we went out to Houston mm-hmm. after the hurricane, bro. Mm-hmm. And we captured the story of this team in Port Arthur, Texas, where it was almost as bad as Katrina out there, bro. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, it was one of the most humbling experiences of my life because, bro, yeah. I'm talking with kids and interviewing kids who are breaking down crying because they just lost their house. Or they're telling me stories about how there was alligators in the water. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. had to, like, you know, have helicopters come and save them. Yeah. You know, I go out to I go out to Port Arthur, and I'm literally, like, seeing, you know, <laughs> you know, everything's messed up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm hearing stories about horses getting caught on barbed wire. Like, I'm, I'm over here seeing, like, they're telling me how high the water was. Mm-hmm. Bro, it felt like Katrina. Yeah. You know what I'm oh, saying? Harvey was a beast. Bro. Harvey was a beast, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. you, you're from, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I used to go to school in, in Houston, so, like, I got friends out that was down there living the third war and on the south side, and it's like, it wasn't as bad as Port Arthur. Like, the east, like, Port oh, Arthur. Oh, Port Arthur was bad. Um, I forgot a few other cities out there, but um, it was it was terrible. Yeah. And it was like, it was they got like fifty inches, so they got like a year's worth of rain mm-hmm. in a day. Yeah, <laughs> like it, that's wow. people don't understand like how much rain they got in one day, bro. Wild, so, bro. Yeah, yeah, wild. So like to be out there, and then we also went. We also told a story about you know the third ward and fifth ward right. with uh, Yates versus Wheatley. Mm-hmm. So we you know told that story as well. But bro, that was just a humbling experience because I think it hit me like when one kid came up to me and was like. Like, hey, bro, like, because, you know, I don't, I'm, you know, I look young, mm-hmm. so I'm only 24, so these kids are like, man, you ain't that much older than me, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they asked me, like, man, bro, like, you really get paid to do this? And I was like, man, that's when it hit me, like, wow, like, I really do get paid just to tell stories. Yeah. And I think that's when it really hit me, when it was like, man, like, God has led me on, because it's crazy, the... the before I even knew I was going to Houston for the hurricane stuff, I was I had did a fundraiser, mm-hmm. you know, because I was just trying to raise money so like to donate to like multiple organizations for Harvey. Word. So to be able to go out there and actually like help out and tell a story, like you know, it was a blessing. And that's on the website. That's on the website that's as well. Website, right. um, you know, uh, you'll see it. It's, it's Yates versus Wheatley, and the other one is football on the flood. Um, but bruh, like. There, that's the thing about being an entrepreneur. There's ups and there's downs. Mm-hmm. So after I got done with that, I was trying to get more work from people, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't get any, bro. Mm. Like I was like, man, like you know, can I do video work for you? Yada yada. So, bro, like I had to, you know, humble myself and not even humble myself, bro. Um, I told myself, look, let me, let me get a job that doesn't require me to necessarily hustle. Mm. You know what I'm saying? To, like, yeah. actually work. So, bruh, <laughs> I started coaching kids, bruh. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, man, like, I could still be around kids. I could still freelance. You know what I'm saying? And I still, and I got this little job at the YMCA where I was a gym monitor. Mm. So, really much, it was just watching over these practices while these kids practice. Mm-hmm. And, bruh, all I would look at that was like, man, that's that's study hall. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I would, I would coach. 
And then I would be at these YMCA practices from like four o'clock to eight. And I was constantly looking at videos and films. Yeah. I was studying directors. I was looking at, you know, cooler films. I was doing interviews. I was watching like Atlanta season mm. one like 15 times. Like Yo. I was taking notes. So I was coming up with inspiration videos until I got my next film. Yeah. And the next film was called Through Your Eyes. Mm-hmm. And Through Your Eyes, I learned that my homie OCL Mendoza was diagnosed with ALS mm. at 21 years old. Youngest ever to get ALS at that age. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to do something for him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yo, Tev, like, you know, I'm tired of people looking at me differently. Oh, so that was the dude at the end. Yep. That's your partner? Yeah. Okay. So wow. he was like, yo, I'm tired of cats, like, looking at me differently. So I got together with the homies. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, let's make a video for us. And mm-hmm. we went through, like, these trials and tribulations of what really to do. We had a script. But then we were like, it was just seem more natural if we tell our other homie, Trey Story, who mm-hmm. has cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. So you could really see, like, here's how it is to have a disability here in America, let alone be black. Right. And, and Trey was, he went to Jefferson High School. Yep. Yeah. And he goes to U of O now. Okay. Nice. So pretty much we did a documentary around him, but put OCO in it because it's like, nah, like, don't look at anybody differently. Mm-hmm. This is how, this is how, when you see Trey next time, like, you have the decision, like, either you're going to look at him as like, oh, he's just another black man with a disability, or he's like, nah, that's a human being as well. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, right. pretty much, bro, we started working on that. We That took us about a year to make, mm-hmm. you know? So, dog, like, that whole, you know, couple of months of me, like, studying, you know, being at the Y, mm-hmm. and just studying and, and being on my laptop and taking notes, all that went into this film for my homie Trey, and mm-hmm. you know, um, fast forward, bro, and I just came back from Long Beach like not too long ago because mm-hmm. you know I got nominated and won best short doc at the Long Beach Film Festival. Bro, so tell us about that. So what was it for? Through your eyes or was it for through your eyes? Else? Okay, through your eyes. So bro. it's wild to me that you say it took you a, a year to make through your eyes, mm-hmm. and that was like ten minutes long. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, it's, it's concepting, bro. Okay, like. You know, shoot days, editing. Um, we we wanted, we thought it, it might be dope to be scripted, and then mm-hmm. we cut that and just said, let's make it real. Mm-hmm. Like it took almost, I want to say, close to a year wow. to make, bro. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's the thing about being an entrepreneur. Like there's highs and there's lows. Right. You know what I'm saying? Here I am. Like I just got done doing this thing for Nike and for and for uh, and for Houston and all that and then I had that moment where it was like nah let me let me get under a rock mm-hmm. let me still get my money let me still get back to the kids mm-hmm. and let me study bro but I was studying while getting paid you feel me Word. so shout out to like the why because bro like they knew like nah we know you still freelance and we know you're a video director so we're gonna give you something that doesn't require you too much of your hours but that is mad humbling though like oh, to, to, to think about because a lot of a lot of folks, maybe not a lot of folks, but like there are people that think entrepreneurship is just like this kind of sexy, just it's like not, bro. super exciting ride where everything is great. And it's just like, yo, like you're going to have to work some jobs that you don't necessarily, you know, that's not your forever gig, mm-hmm. but you got to do it yeah. because you and like you said, you got to have something 
where you you don't have to hustle so hard where it's going to take you away. Yeah. So it's going to be something that's not the most desirable gig. Exactly. And in that but sense, the thing is, it, it's not even like it's the most desirable because I was able to coach kids mm-hmm. basketball. But I'm saying, like, you know how, uh, like, all right, so when I when I quit my job and I yeah. told them I was going to do Uber and Lyft, they were yeah. like, well, you're going to do what? Yeah. Like, you're more talented than that. Like, that's there's no reason for you to be, like, you could still be here. Like, you're one of our top salesmen, like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yo, it's not about the company. It's not about the position. It's not. A, it's about the flexibility. Exactly. For me to be time. creative. Your the time. time. I need to have control of my time. Exactly. And so with that, I can just log in and log out as I please. Yep. And I can work around my life as exactly. opposed to my life revolves around my work. Exactly. And so, yeah. Exactly, bro. And that's what I'm saying, bro. It's like, I needed that time, though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that's when I really realized, like, nah, bro, like, get still get back to these kids because i had parents come up to me and they're like you know um my kid really enjoys like being with you mm. and you know it's a blessing to be able to like coach kids and interact with them and then at the same time you know become form relationships with these parents and also like to literally know that i have three to four hours every night from tuesday to saturday to literally study mm-hmm. film and study my craft I'm not taking that back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, sure enough, bro, you know, we ended up making that film. And then right after that, bro, I got brought on to another big gig. Mm -hmm. And that was to do this recent film I did for Antonio Brown and Nike. Before we get into Antonio Brown. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. I don't know if I said it already or not, but like you went in that film festival, bro. So how long ago was that? That was two weeks ago. Two weeks weeks ago. ago. Three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Yeah. That's dope. So what has there been anything that's come out of that as far as like people contacting you or stuff that you can discuss as far as like networking that you were able to do? Oh, bro, at the film festival, there was a lot of people that were like, yo, let like take down my information and let's continue working and let's talk about some stuff. But I think the biggest thing, honestly, like with that is because of that film festival or because of that film, Mm -hmm. I was able to land a feature with Forbes magazine. Okay. So that's com- that coming out. That's coming out in the next like two weeks. Oh man, I gotta get this. So so pretty much like my um <laughs> sure enough, I was listening to a podcast and I was listening to a podcast about you know, this cat named Julian Mitchell mm-hmm. and you know, I was listening to him, how he was hustling, grinding, all that, and I was like, Hey man, I'm about to just send this cat to film. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he sure enough when I followed him on like Instagram and Twitter and all that, he came up with this competition. You know, that was like, you know, you submit something and then he'll help you produce it or he'll help you get it out. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So sure enough, I was like, you know what? I've been taking this Kobe approach of just saying, fuck it. Mm-hmm. Like, just do it. Mm-hmm. Send it. Mm-hmm. So I sent it to him, submitted to the con- contest. And sure enough, like, bro, I didn't win. But he was like, yo, like, I like I like this film and I want to see what I can do to get behind it somehow, mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, we started building a relationship and mentorship and that's when the Forbes article came where it's telling wow. my story, bro. Yeah. So it's just like, that's, it's just, bro, it's, it, like I said, it comes back to the basics of I'm just doing stuff that's real, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just doing stuff that's close to my heart and that could actually make a difference. Just how like every film that I've worked on has, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's nothing like, it's no, it's no, no fake shit. Like yeah. it's real stuff that like, true stories you know what i'm saying no trey's story was heavy bro and it's like like i said earlier like the way you put the visual together 
and then with the music that you come with and then like how like if the beat is hitting you know what I mean then the, the, yeah. the frames are kind of popping out at you yeah. bro and it's just like yo the way that you put that and that's the thing that people like underestimate I feel like when it comes to film mm-hmm. music is so oh yeah it's the most bro. important thing it's the most important thing bro like if you like uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is um, Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind have you mm-hmm. seen that mm-hmm Bro, the music, the way the the music accompanies that movie and like helps tell the story and like creates emotions, you know what I mean? It's just like it's amazing, bro. And I, and I didn't realize it until like I got older, like eighteen, nineteen. Like, yo, music is important. Oh movie. yeah, bro. Like, why you think? Why you think all these like you know these Star Wars films like the the John Williams like the score and mm-hmm. you know it's like those moments where. The music comes in like when you're feeling a certain type of way, it makes you want to cry. It's not what you see on screen that makes you want to cry. It's, yeah. it's the it's the music behind it that makes you want to cry. Yeah. So like, there's I remember we were looking, bro. I was looking. I probably had over a hundred songs, mm-hmm. like as far as like overall piano and feeling and stuff for Trey's film, mm-hmm. and we just we went through about a hundred of them, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like, once we found it. It was just like I knew, like, all right, this, this, even listening to it makes me want to cry. Mm-hmm. We, once you add that in with the visuals, then it's like, oh yeah, it's gonna get you. Yeah, you feel me? So, yeah. sure enough, like, I go into any film knowing that, like, and I'm not even, you know, bullshitting around. It's like I know, all right, I know if if I think this is dope and I think this is like really, really, really good then I know, like, the, the audience and the people behind me are going to know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's good. Because yeah. I'm not even trying to, like, gas it at all. It's just like, bro, like, I think I've come to a point where it's like, I know what gets people, and I know if I have a feeling in my heart when I'm watching this, and I know, like, oh, shit, that is dope, mm-hmm. then I know, like, I, I, I guarantee, like, the, the people watching it are going to feel that same way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, man, the the selection, music selection on that was dope. We gonna hop into the the Netflix eventually. That that joint, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. when you, when I was reading the script and all you like you had the songs in there, I was like, oh, this is gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as that song hit, like for that situation, it's gonna yeah, be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. off tops, bro. Yeah, man. So let's get into the Antonio Brown joint. You did the the video with Nike this summer. Yeah, bro. So, um, same cats that I did the Nike Houston docs with. Um, mm-hmm agency came back and was like yo like we uh you know we got this new task antonio brown is going on this tour across the country mm-hmm. um it's called destroy doubt and you know let's let's collaborate and let's let's work on it yeah so bruh sure enough uh, we were back on it back on the grind first stop was in miami mm-hmm. i ain't never been to miami before but let me tell you that that football culture down there is real it's something else, it's just bro. like the south bruh and you know, to, to to meet A.B. and to interview him. And that's one of the humblest cats I ever met, bro. Really? As far as just, like, he's really out here, like, running routes with these kids. You feel me? Like, Oh, yeah, he was in there getting it. He was dog, playing defense, too. Defense, yeah. dogging kids. And this <laughs> this is, like, the this is what they what they really say is, like, bro, like, the second best player in the NFL behind Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm oh, saying? Hands like, down. Hands down. Yeah. Like, he's up there with he's hall of fame you know what i'm saying but yeah. this dude's really out here like oh yeah bro like i'm gonna run routes i'm gonna d you up like mm-hmm. talking shit yeah and to me it was like damn bro i'm really over here like capturing this mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like being a part of this experience in this film yeah was it was had a great team you know what i'm saying um 
but to just see how happy these kids were to see him like actually out there running routes and how inspirational it was for them it was wild bro yeah and when we went to chicago chicago their their coach had got killed in a drive-by shooting you know what i'm saying so like to like interview these kids and to see like have them talk about the way they did about that coach and about ab like this has been this is my second moment where i've had to interview kids and they cried in front of me Mm -hmm. you know one with hurricane and the other one you know kids crying in front of me telling me about this the stories that they had growing up in the south side of chicago you know saving their friends lives and you know uh telling the story of the news when they heard about their coach passing away Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so it was like bruh it's just i realized like bro i'm really this is my passion you feel me and Mm -hmm. to see the end goal and and to to not only i had the opportunity to put my homie miles brown his music in the film Mm -hmm. and he's from the bay Mm -hmm. you feel me so like i saw what coogler did for you know sob and rbe and Mm -hmm. he put paramedic on the black panther album Mm -hmm. and they're from the bay and that song like skyrocketed and helped them so hard exactly bro (laughs) so it's just like but realizing like when i get a platform like being able to make a film for nike and i could help like my young brother miles out Mm -hmm. who's who's from the bay from Mm -hmm. berkeley and you put to put his music on there where literally you look on Facebook comments of the video, people are like, yo, who, what song is that? Yeah. What song is that? And these are people in New York, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. people are like, what song is that? What song is that? What that song was hard, y'all yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just what my platform is. Like the higher I go, I know I could bring people from my from the bay up with me. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. That's the goal, you feel me? Yeah. So yeah. So how long of a of an experience was that you filming with Antonio Brown and Nike? So so A B we went to Chicago for almost about know, about like three, four days. We went to Miami for a full week and then we went to LA. Mm. So when we went to LA we just filmed him training at one of Nike's new facilities in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um so I wanna say the project took about almost about a month. Yeah. Um, and then we went to sound and we went to editing and coloring. Um, I wanted it to, I think the main inspiration that we took for Antonio Brown's film was Atlanta. Mm. Uh, like just, we wanted it to feel like kind of dark and gloomy cause you're kind of destroying this doubt. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to work with a team of just outstanding team. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking about like our producer had produced the Humble video for Kendrick. Mm. You know, he had won a Grammy. Wow. The guy who shot in uh, the guy who shot in Miami, all the footage, like, he, <laughs> his name is Dante, one of the homies, like, this dude has shot all of J. Cole's videos, or majority wow. of them. Yeah. Um, the guy who shot in Chicago has shot, like, some great short films and some mm-hmm. docs. Uh, our one of our steady cam guys in Chicago shot a bunch of Childish Gambino music videos. Mm. The guy who shot in LA shot "This Is America" by Childish Gambino and and "Sorry" by Beyonce. You know the guy who edited like he edited you know um, Nicki Minaj new recent video. He edited the Defiant ones with Dr. Dre and mm. you know the it, it's almost like it was an all star. It was yeah. like all my inspirations yeah. all came together to work on this Antonio Brown film. That's you know what I'm saying. So, what was your role? What was your title in that whole process? So, my role was creative director, creative director. and also like assistant director, co director on it. Okay, so, so for those that don't know exactly what you would do in that, you know, in that type of process of making that, what what were you doing? So, for me, that? as a creative director, I was coming up with. The overall, me and me and my other career director, Kent St. John, 
we were coming up with as a team like okay how do we want this to look feel sound what are we trying to convey to the audience like mm-hmm. you know whether that's you know us going to nike and us talking to nike and pitching to them like hey this is what we're gonna do mm-hmm. um the overall look feel the whole direction as yeah. far as what the video is gonna look like and then as far as like the co-directing and the and the assistant directing i was with uh jason Baum, who was our our director um i was working with him on like you know interviewing the players trying to figure out you know how do we want things to look from a football aesthetic mm-hmm. um just like i said it was a lot of collaboration man mm-hmm. so it was just being able to actually sit down and interview all those kids and you know to interview ab like you know it was a blessing yeah that's dope man so so you so you've been out of college for how long right now like two to three years, bro. Two three years, and so when did you actually start your company, Combined Culture? Bruh, <laughs> I want to say my senior year. Senior year. That's when it started. Okay, you know so you saying? started your senior year, but you knew since high school that you was gonna be on this path. Oh yeah, like I knew I was. I knew I wanted to make commercials. Yeah. So it's like, eventually over time, like it shifted from commercials to short films to feature films to mm-hmm. TV series. Word. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's amazing because like you've been out of school almost three years. Mm-hmm. You had what, three or four viral videos? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Four or five maybe. Now tell the folks if you can kind of think of it real quick, how many paid gigs have you had in the past three years? Two. Two. Yep. So that was the Nike joint? Both Nike ones. Both Nikes. Mm-hmm. Nothing in between. Nope. I want y'all to understand how hard it is. You can be world class at what you do. The money is not just going to be automatic, man. It's not. It's not going to be automatic. And obviously, you were like, you can attest to that. Oh, yeah, bro. Now, Shit. was there... What's like the... Uh, let me let me get into my, my, my questions real quick, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to miss everything because you got a lot to talk about and I got some other, but I'm going to ask certain questions to everybody and then everything else is going to be organic. But so the first question, did you choose entrepreneurship or did entrepreneurship choose you? I think entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship chose me, bro. Cause my, my, I've watched my mom owned her own daycare. Mm. Um, my dad was always like the manager or he always had like, or, you know, he was the head head person at his hardware store in Oakland. Okay. Um, he was always doing, like, you know, contracting jobs. And right now he owns his home hardware store in the Bay right now. And then my grandfather, who I never met, who my, was my dad's dad, he did all the finances and taxes for the Black Panthers. Really? So he was, like, one of the first, like, blacks in Oakland to, like, be, like, high up there as far as accounting and stuff. Mm. So my grandfather was... Kate Verde. Mm-hmm. So he was like fair skin, but he had an afro. Mm-hmm. So my dad always tells me like the the white people in Oakland, they didn't think he was like black, black. Mm-hmm. So they like let him in like super high up. You know what I'm saying? But he was really taking that game and giving it back to the Black Panthers Word. and helping them do like their taxes, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And then my other grandfather um, on my mom's side, uh, he was like one of the, you know, he raised himself up like as far as like the garbage company mm-hmm. in the city of Berkeley. Mm-hmm. So like he was like, you know, helping run things. So mm-hmm. I always kind of look at it like, bro, like from my grandparents to my family, like I never really saw my mom or my dad like 
have to really like take orders from anybody mm. you know what i'm saying yeah so i think like that kind of just raised me to like always have like a a strong mindset and a strong like just i could do things myself you know mm. what i mean like mm-hmm. i can collaborate but i don't necessarily need to i i could be a self-starter you feel mm-hmm. me that's dope man i it's funny, like, when I went through the Religion and Worldview series, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I'm hearing everybody's take on stuff, and one thing, one huge takeaway for me, talking to everybody about what they believe, um, like, at first, I didn't believe in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Like, the thought of reincarnation was just wild, just crazy to me, like, that somebody could have, like, ten lives or something like that, and just keep coming back, but then you don't necessarily know who you were, mm-hmm. right? But you, like, we're living this life right now, and but I don't know who I potentially was four lives ago, yeah, yeah, four thousand years ago. But then it kind of came to me like, you know, with uh, like with with my kids and just like how I'm how my life has changed and like how how emotionally connected I am to my kids. It's almost as if like it was like one time my son. I, like I might have already told the story on the podcast if y'all listen, but y'all gonna hear it again. So my son got his finger closed in the door one time, mm. in a metal door partially severed almost almost camera just dangling his finger was dangling took him to the er he was actually kind of cool probably had a lot of adrenaline or whatever but then you know when you getting stitches the shot hurt more than the stitches right yeah bro so they his fingers hanging off bro i'm holding him because we knew he was gonna start screaming bro i'm holding him they do that shot bro he is screaming to the top of his lungs crying hard yeah. bro his heart is beating out his chest I'm trying to keep him down keep him still and it's like they keep shooting it's just like taking forever for them to get all these shots oh, and he is screaming man and he is in the most pain bro yeah and all his energy affected me in the exact same way so I couldn't feel the pain but I felt all the energy I felt all the hurt and the sadness wow I'm crying just as much as him bro it's the, it's like it's like it's happening to me That's right crazy and so, and you know, my, when my daughter was born, she, uh, like, and she was born, like, a month after that happened to him. So, we back in the hospital, and then she come back, come home, and then three weeks later, she got a staph infection. So, mm-hmm. she's in the hospital, had this little red thing on her chest, yeah. and then it just turned purple, and it just opened up, and she's got this big hole in her chest, and they're trying to drain this pus. Wow. And she was so small, she was only three weeks old. They could barely get an IV in her arm, bro. And wow. So, like, they take me in the back, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. It's like, all right, we got to get this IV in. They pricked her, like, 15, 20 different times. Hearing she's screaming. I'm just, like, I'm feeling everything, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I'll say all that <laughs> to say this. I feel like reincarnation is your children. Mm. Right? Because DNA doesn't end. Your DNA is forever. So... The blood, the DNA that you have in your in, in your body mm-hmm. is from your grandfather, your father, on your dad's side, on your mom's side. All that DNA, all that life, all that information, it's affecting you. You are bruh. who you are yeah, because bruh. of the lives that have been lived before you. Nah, bro. And you that. have it. We have advantages when we know our our parents, so that we can in our grandparents, so that we can live a better life. And you know how kids like or parents vicariously live through their children. Like if their kid is successful or something, they feel like they achieved it. Cause it's cause like it's that's that's me. When I see my son, I look at myself. Like mm-hmm. when he what I look like in kindergarten, he looked like in kindergarten. Like 
I'm looking at me. When yeah. I talk to my son and I'm going hard on him, I'm talking to me because I know how yeah. I know who he is and know how he operates. That's so wild. Like, you mentioned that because yeah. like the grandfather that I was talking about, who you know helped the Black Panthers and all that, mm-hmm. like this scary because like my my aunt, my dad, like everybody in my family will be like, it's scary how much you look like your grandfather. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like. I, it it's scary, bro. Because when I look at pictures, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like it, it's ident it's identical. Mm-hmm. But like to to hear like even though I never met him, he passed. My dad was like 14 years old, maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, bro, it's it's almost like to hear what he did, like with the Black Panthers, and you know how he was sharp on his game, like trying to like give back to young brothers. Like it's like that's essentially like the same thing I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like. People are like, oh, man, you think so, like, militant and all that? But it's like, no, nah, I don't think, like, militant. It's just, like, I, I think I know what when I know what I want, like, mm-hmm. I go for it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I try to, like, bring the next generation up with me. You yeah. feel me? Yeah. And so that's, like, that's my, that's my version of an explanation for reincarnation. Like, you, like, your grandfather is living you. Through, mm-hmm. through you that's and you're fact. carrying out everything that he was doing it doesn't stop yeah you know what i mean that's a fact so yeah man uh i don't know why i went so deep into that but i just felt like <laughs> i needed to share that but uh next question man what are some obstacles that you've had to overcome bro like you've been doing this for a couple of years two paid gigs like what's the biggest obstacle that you felt like could have potentially knocked you off your game if you would have let it Um, getting fired, mm-hmm. and also that dry moment that I had after making that first Nike film. Because the dry moment, like, like when I didn't have anything coming from okay, me. okay, when I wasn't getting any type of, I wasn't getting no paid gigs. Mm-hmm. Nobody was calling me back. It was a dry moment. Mm. There was, bro, there was a moment before I got the AB film. There was a moment where I was like, man, I might never do another, like, advertising film again. Mm. I just felt that way. I was like, I don't know what's about to happen. But I know, like, I always know with God, I watched, like, Joe Osteen, and it's like that due season Mm. where it's like, as long as you stay faithful in the routine, then that due season is going to come. And right now, bro, I can say wholeheartedly, I'm in my due season, like, right now. Right now, I'm in my due season because, like, I'm watching things, like, shape up. Because mm-hmm. there was a moment where I think people were like, yeah, like, you know, you're you're good at what you do, but, you know, you're still young. But I think, like, there was a couple of moments where people started to realize, like, nah, like, you're you're pretty fucking good at what you do. <laughs> like, and, and I've seen what you've done, and you've done it. You've been able to do it on a consistent basis. And it gets better and better each time. Now I want to invest in you. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So now I'm almost like in that stage right now where it's like I needed to grow. But even my dad recently, when I saw him this week, he's like, "Nah, like you're there's you're you're on your way. Like you're something's coming. Mm-hmm. Something big is coming. Yeah. And I don't know quite what it is." And when I go back and listen to this podcast, like a month from now, two months from now, a year from now, I there's a feeling for me where every day I wake up, bro, like I there's like it's almost like I'm waking up and it's Christmas, bro, because I know <laughs> I know something good is gonna happen when That's I wake up. up. You feel me? Like That's I'm excited so to go to bed at night because when I wake up, it's like 
oh shit, like it's about to go down. Something's about to go down. Yeah, you feel me? Yeah. It's funny because that's like the the emotional roller coasters that you have with entrepreneurship, bro. It's crazy. Like I've had so many times where I'm like, yo, I'm I'm done. Like I'm no, I'm I'm good. Like this is. You know what I mean? It's just like I'm working so hard. I, I'm not seeing that. There's happen. no way to go though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, but then it, then if I quit, it's like now what? Go back to work? It, exactly. You've already <laughs> nah. You've already folks. That's the I've thing. Already like, tasted that freedom. You've bro. already tasted that freedom, and there's no way to go back. No. Nah. There's no way to go back. Like I, I I'll go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Like I've I've been I've been doing. I, it's crazy. Like people ask me, they're like, "Nigga, how the hell have you been?" <laughs> You've been doing this entrepreneurship for a year, mm-hmm. and I'm still surviving. Mm-hmm. I'm still paying my rent. Still here. I'm still here, bro. Yeah. And that's I the have... thing that you realize, like, even though it's not ideal and it's not consistent, it's not guaranteed. I'm not gonna get paid every Friday a certain amount. Yeah. I'm still gonna survive. I'm still gonna survive. So now we have to overcome the uncertainty and yep. just know that it's gonna happen. It's gonna work out, and if it doesn't work out. You gonna make it work out somehow, some way. You got the you got the flexibility in your schedule. You know, if I need to pick up this gig, or if I need to do this, or if I need to do that, I'm gonna do it. Oh yeah, bro. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So it's like, I think that's what another thing that God told me was like, you gonna do a film called Destroy Doubt. <laughs> you feel mm. me? So it's like, I did that AB film, and I was interviewing kids about doubt and all that, and it's just like, bro, wow. it's like now it's like. I can't even doubt myself. Like, the moments that I do, it's just like, bro, it's like... Now you doubting God. Yeah, because it's like, bro, I know... Because I, I think I don't mention this, but my grandmother passed, like, last time I went back to the Bay. Sorry, you know what I'm saying? But I, it's, it's, She was 92. She lived okay. a great life. Word. So, bro, all my grandparents... Like, you know how Kendrick, Kendrick said, like, all my... Uh, what do you say? He's like, all my grandma's dead, so mm. ain't nobody praying for me. I'm on your head. Mm. Hey, but it's like... All, bro, all my grandparents are past. Yeah. So I know I got four angels on my back. Word. You know what I'm saying? Like, my grandma, like, she used to pray for me every night. Mm. You know, my G, the my Gigi, she used to love my films. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then on account of that, my two grandfathers who were, like, super strong. Bro, I got four angels on my back, bro. I ain't mm-hmm. tripping. Yeah. You feel me? Like, I know something good is going to happen. I know beyond, think like Joel Osteen always says, like, you gonna get things that you won't even wait, like you wouldn't even imagine mm-hmm. are gonna happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Who's who knows? Like I can get a five hundred thousand dollar deal tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like or, that, like that, like that, I, bro. You and know it's what I'm just saying? like change your life, change my life, and I wouldn't even think about it. And any hardship that you thought you went through, it's like nah, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. You feel <laughs> it me? wasn't that bad. You feel me? So Man, yeah, that's real, bro. Um. So, what have you learned about yourself, like during this journey, these past couple of years since you left school? Mm-hmm. You know, you you got fired. You've done your Nike things. You did the highs and lows. What have you learned about yourself, man, bro? What I need, bro? Like, bro, I don't need no fancy car, or mm. no gold gold chain, or you know, all I need is, man. Let me let me be able to take a vacation with my girl like you know every every once in a while let me be able to experience go to concerts you know let me be able to you know eat good and and go to the gym work out mm-hmm. and and lastly let me just be able to create mm-hmm. let me be able to create if i could it, i realize now how much i get from creating 
films. That's all I. That's what. That's what makes me fool. You mm. feel me? Like I don't need nothing else, bro. I don't need nothing else, bro. I need I, good health. I need my family good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Those around me uplift those be good company. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Able to create. I could work out, go to the gym, stay healthy. Like, you know, food, bro. That's it. That's, that's it. it. That's like, bro, I don't need nothing else other than that. That's you so feel real, me? Bro. As long as I'm creating on the daily and I can work out, oh, I'm straight. Yeah. <laughs> you feel me? That's real, man. Yeah, when I when I walked away, you know, uh like I was saying, like my my supervisors and like the main boss there, they was just like Why are you walking away from so much money? It's not about the money. And I was just like, yo, it's not about the money. It was like, and when I was doing the math, like I had, so I I, I walked away in May. I had kind of determined that I was going to walk away like in that November to November of 2017, November, December. And I was doing the math, thinking about our expenses, mm-hmm. what we were paying, what we consumed, like cable bill, all the, and I was just like, we don't need cable. Uh... I can refinance the house and save like $300 a month. You know what I mean? After I refinance, um, you know, as much as we eat out, we don't got to do that. Like it's a certain things I started cutting away and I realized how much we really needed to survive and just like live decently. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I don't even need this job. Mm-hmm. Quiet is kept. Like I don't watch TV. I don't do this. I don't, I don't need to go out like that. Like I just go out cause I'm bored. Like a lot of times we go out, and eat because like I'm stressed out like that was like my my getaway mm-hmm. like going out and eating a, a fancy dinner or something like that I was like yo I don't need that mm-hmm. you know what I mean and then now it is hard <laughs> you know what I mean because you when you live a certain way like you're accustomed to doing certain things and now you mm-hmm. gotta have that discipline you know you, it's all about discipline it's all life, about bro. discipline yeah. like it's, it's discipline like whether you working out whether you praying like drinking water like <laughs> it's all discipline like you got to be able to, you got to be able to have that discipline in your head, bro. Because yeah. discipline will take you far. Word. Like, whether that's getting up every day, it's like, all right, I'm going to network with two people. I'm going to mm. send this email. I'm going to send this text. Like, you got to just be determined, bro. Yeah. For the longest time, like, and I know we can get into it, like, there's been moments on each of my projects where I'm just lazy. I'm like, man, I don't feel like doing that today, but I know if I get it done and I'm disciplined with it. Like, it's almost like, what do they say? It's like those little small drops in like a pool or a droplet of water. Like, mm-hmm. they add up over time. It can oh, cause yeah. like a tsunami. Yeah. You just got to add your drop every day. Word. You feel me? Yeah. That's discipline to me. Yeah, that's real. That's real, bro. Um, I got a few canned questions, but I want to get into the town. <laughs> I got I to gotta get into this right now because I'm... I'm just, I've been itching to talk about this. So, um, tell everybody about the town, you know, the concept and and what it's all about. So the town is, uh, the town is a TV series, Mm -hmm. um, that me and a couple of the homies have been working on and developing over the course of the summer. Um, as a result of everything that's been going down in the Bay, uh, it's been hard. So, you know, first there was Barbecue Becky, <laughs> Lake Merritt um, in Oakland, you know, which is a lake that, you know, me and my family used to go to for, like, you know, family events. Me and the homies used to go to just to walk around, just to talk, have deep conversations. You know, there's a taco truck over there that everybody used to go to. Shout out to the homie Yakub who put me on to it. Um, this lady came up and said, like, nah, this is my lake. Y'all can't be barbecuing here and 
try calling the police and um you know it caused like a viral controversy mm-hmm. and then uh in frisco this little girl was trying to sell water to you know help her mom raise funds to go to disneyland mm-hmm. and this lady you know called the police on her said nah like you know you need a permit to do that like you can't be doing that and the girl was how old i think like eight <laughs> come on man and there was this black dude so that was that was a permit patty that's yep. what they called her right and there was this black dude up in frisco who owned his own lemonade like restaurant you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying everybody knew him in the community and this white dude like literally called the police on him because they thought he was breaking into his own store went viral again mm-hmm. and sure enough the last viral moment this girl um neil wilson 18 years old bro angel like talk about had such a great head on her shoulders was going so many places mm-hmm. um she got killed at, at Bart on MacArthur Station by this racist white dude, uh, and her sister got hurt, you know, throat cut as well, mm-hmm. and it went viral again. Mm-hmm. And these people just, it's it's almost foul because all that happened in the course of a summer within like a month or two. And that was the thing that blew me away because I remember the barbecue backing, the permit yeah. patty and all this stuff, and Neil Wilson... I didn't realize... I remember Neil... I knew Neil Wilson because the Bart, like, oh, that's San Francisco yeah. or the Bay, but like... Everything else, I was like, yo, everything happened in the Bay, bro? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Oh, it's wild. It's crazy. It's wild. So, it's hard being up here in Portland, and you're and you're hearing the news, and you're like, bro, this is where I grew up. Mm-hmm. This is where the Black Panther started. This is where it was majority black. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This is where the Bay has always had, especially Oakland, like this strong sense of, like, you know, black pride. Word. You know what I'm saying? Like, people coming together and like, nah, like. You feel me like we gonna fight for this you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so like i came together with the homies and was like like after watching atlanta and the shy like you like man bro like we could easily do a show about about the about oakland and yeah. the bay you know yeah. what i'm saying like easily mm-hmm. so when i saw it i was just like all right this is the this is the moment mm-hmm. like after nia happened it was like okay this is we got to do something about it mm-hmm. and like for years i've been Man, I know when I do something for the Bay, it's going to be, like, special and big because mm-hmm. it's almost like I've been working on every project to lead to this moment. Mm-hmm. So, pretty much, bro, like, got together with the homies. We wrote out a, a script. We developed a pitch deck, and now we're working on pitching it to Netflix. Word. So, what's the process of getting it to Netflix? Like? So, I mean, I have, like, a, a ton of people that are well-connected. Yeah. And pretty much the process is getting it into the right hands of those right people, mm-hmm. setting up those meetings and setting up those connections, and then we'll see what happens from there. You know, yeah. God forbid. So that's the, pl- that's the plan. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've seen, you know, what Netflix has done for, like, you know, TV series and original series. And, you know, I think that's – I know they're progressive with what they're doing, and mm-hmm. I think that would be the right company to partner with on this. It would be perfect, bro. Perfect. And it's like – Everything when I was reading the script, the pilot. Can we talk about the pilot? Yeah. Okay. So when I read through the pilot, bro, I'm like, yo, this is like so on point. Like everybody can connect with this, especially the the gentrification piece. Yep. Like, and I didn't even mention that. Like that's the yeah, main. That's the main thing. That's the main issue. And that's is, the reason why, like, you got these new white people coming into. Oh, you 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 can't do that over here. It says code eight five seven. Like yeah. You, like get. This is my this is my neighborhood. You can't tell me yeah. how to operate in my neighborhood. But the That's thing that's happening everywhere. Everywhere. The country, but bro. the thing that people don't know is it's happening faster in the Bay Area. Oh, for sure. Because of Silicon Valley. Right. You get these people where 
in New York and Brooklyn, like there was no Google or Apple where the mm-hmm. prices are getting raised. You got mm-hmm. people from San Francisco coming into Oakland and taking over. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I'm talking to people back home and they're like, bro, these tech people are getting bold. Mm-hmm. Like where they're really like, nah, like <laughs> this, I own this shit. You better watch out. You feel mm-hmm. me? So like it's that's like the language that they're using. Like their people are getting real bold. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just that. Like in episode six, like it's from the perspective of a white family hmm. moving into Oakland. Mm-hmm. So like I can't I want Dave Chappelle or like Vince Staples to like narrate the whole episode. Mm-hmm. So it's kinda like a spoof, but it's showing you like, nah, this is the real facts of like this is how gentrification happens. Yeah. So my dad told me a story recently, um, Hunter's Point in Frisco mm-hmm. where Pac Bell Park is, where the the uh San Francisco Giants play. Mm-hmm. And this is going to blow your mind. Mm. So that was a rough area. Before that stadium got built where the Giants played by the water, that was a rough area I heard in Frisco. About that. There, was a, there was a movie. What was the movie that came out about Hunter's Point? I forgot about it. Uh, I, don't, I don't really pay much too much attention to Frisco stuff. But, okay. okay. But I don't know what it was. Man, it came out back in the 90s or early 2000s, bro. Uh, I'll, I'll remember it. But, but So pretty much, like, my dad was telling me that my uncle. text my partner. He know what to do. <laughs> My dad was telling me that uh, my uncle was, you know, he's worked on BART for such for such a long time, mm-hmm. and um, you know, he he's been he did stuff for the Bay Bridge, all that stuff, and uh, he was telling me that you know back in like I think the nineties maybe or or maybe eighties, my uncle was telling him like, man, like I'm confused because we're building, you know, this uh, this train like BART Muni right into the middle of the hood. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, my dad was telling me, sure enough, they put that stadium right there where they were building the bar mm-hmm. so people could get off right there. Mm-hmm. And my dad was telling me what they do is, is them people will let, the the high up people will let a certain neighborhood get run down. And then sure enough, what they'll do is they'll let it run down to where the value is cheap buy everything up and that's where they put smack dab a new stadium for the Giants bro these city planners all around the country have all taken the same model exactly and they've been doing this for like you let, you 30 40 let years let them like, run it let them run that shit up mm-hmm. to the point where it's, it's damn near worth dirt mm-hmm. and then we're gonna buy everything in that area and some more knock it down and put smack dab right there yeah so it's like that's one, one thing I wanna put like in the film is like Nah, like I'm gonna have like I want I want people to actually see this is how it operates. This is how it happens. Mm-hmm. I want but I want to put a creative spin on it where it's like you tell it through a story. Like that story how I just told you about my dad. Yeah. Like I want to put that in there where you see somebody like, "Man, we're building this this train that's going to lead right into the middle of the hood." Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden like you see like years go by and you're like oh they've been planning on this mm-hmm. gentrification is isn't just overnight like it's planned no you know it's, what like, I'm it's decades in advance yeah yeah so it's just like people gotta learn like my dad was also telling me like back then in certain generations in oakland like these people are like nah like nah we're gonna stay here no matter mm-hmm. how much money you try oh no matter how much money you try to give us like nah we gonna stay in our houses you know what i'm saying but mm-hmm. like as generations continue to go on it's like oh shit you know 80,000, 100K, like, oh, mm-hmm. cool. Like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to go out to Antioch and, mm-hmm. and move further and further out. You mm-hmm. feel me? So it's just like, with the series, we want to just we want to just basically break down, like, 
in a, in ten episodes, these these high school kids that are going into the summer, and they're watching their city change. Yeah, and they can't do anything about it because they're going to college. And on the last episode, everything hits the fan when their friend gets killed. Mm. Their friend's arena, mm. which is like assembly, like really, it's it's needed. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like they've already watched this their whole summer. They've watched their city change and grow into something they never thought it would become. Mm-hmm. And then on the last episode before they go to college, their friend gets killed. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. we're not even putting no fake. Every episode is going to be something real. There's going to be a barbecue Becky episode. There's going to be a permanent patty episode. There's going to be a episode about the little girl in Frisco who's trying to raise money for her mom to go, to, you know, for them to go to Disneyland. Like mm-hmm. every single episode is gonna be like a real true story yeah. you feel me yeah and that's the thing there's so much that's going on and that's still going on to this day yep and probably by the time y'all start shooting there's gonna be some other stuff that's oh, gonna yeah. pop up you know oh, yeah. so without a doubt yeah man so but like in the in the pilot i'm reading through it i've never read through a script so it's like to read through it and see your mind working and yeah. like or you're inserting the music for certain scenes or whatever, and it's like a drone shot. Because I've seen a few of your videos, like yep. I heard the drone shot with the music. Like, yeah. I'm like, yo, this is gonna be fresh, bro. Bro, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, man. And, and so, like the the characters, I, I love like Jordan Oba and Zarina. Zarina, yeah. Zarina means golden child in like Muslim African culture. That's dope. That's dope. And like the way that she was described as like that chick that everybody was hecka cool with. Like she's pretty, but she's not like flashy mm-hmm. you know what i mean but she's smart and witty and just man bro like and then jordan was like the athlete right yeah. he was smart as well yeah super cool dude and then um what, what got me though was the, the thanksgiving uh was it thing the thanksgiving scene yeah where like it was was it jordan's family who's jordan's family yeah. Serena was with him Serena's with him and shout out to my my homegirl jasmine uh she wrote that she wrote that one she wrote that like okay. i we knew like the dialogue in that was yeah. like perfect. As bro. a team, we yeah. were like, "Yo, like, Jazz got to write that." You yeah. know what I'm saying? So like, she but she's she she's so on top of her game because she wrote it in there where people forget that you know with this whole national anthem policy, like, there's black people that don't support people taking the knee as well exactly that's so what i'm about to get to <laughs> exactly yeah you man. know what i'm saying so like, the uncle that was like man i ain't trying to you know exactly like <laughs> i ain't trying to i ain't like man let's leave that you know what i'm saying and yeah. then it, so and shout out to my homie carlisle because he gave me the idea to have that type of scene where it's like in an area where the bay is changing in oakland you see this white part this older white male come in mm-hmm. and he's able to adapt to the culture and he's able to actually talk with with this all black family about such an important issue in a time where the city is is changing over time mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying where it, it should be black versus white but but literally this this older figure dr brown is able to come in and like you know actually talk and and, and help solve problems you feel me yeah yeah man so that that scene was dope which is like the just the the conversation back and forth and then him stepping in but then the uncle still like kind of going hard and he didn't want to yeah. hear nothing about what yeah. cat was doing and like man like and that, it, <laughs> it, but that's real it's that's real though real, it's so bro. real so i was just like yo this is about to be dope like the dialogue on paper is enough and then you got the visualization and then and what was it like somebody says something and like he cussed or something like that and the, the mom or the grandma caught him or something like yeah, that? Yeah, 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 <laughs> i was bro. dying i was like yo this is but anyway, I'm, I'm gonna give away the whole episode, man. I, I like the whole thing, man. But um, 
if so if Netflix doesn't fund it oh bro we already got there's options bro okay there's options there's you there's, got plan B plan yeah, C I got, there's plan B plan okay because this has to come like this has to come out whether it's it'll come to life just YouTube it'll, only or just like because yeah. it's to life. like just like everything that you've done you know yeah it's gonna go viral already you know. you know I know in your heart I already know my so heart, so you already got the I already got plan the, B and I already plan got C. the because okay. it took it took Donald Glover three years to make Atlanta okay so it's like if if Netflix don't work, there's FX. Mm-hmm. If FX don't work, I can, there's a way I you know talk to Jay Z mm. and see what he could do with it. Yeah. Bron, LeBron James, work. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's Amazon, there's Hulu. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's there's Amazon TV shows that are winning Emmys. Mm. Hulu as well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like and people don't know this yet, but Disney is about to start a streaming service. Mm. So it's like. Bro, we have of course HBO, Showtime. It, that stuff. There's HBO, Showtime. Mm-hmm. Like there's multiple stars, everything. Stars, yeah, there's yeah. multiple options. I think what I always tell myself is like, nah, get the you have the connects, mm-hmm. utilize your connects, and it's like God got you. You know, there's there, you got the whole bag behind you, and also like you got something strong here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You you already the hard work is already done. Mm-hmm. The hard work was developing. A presentation that breaks down in a pilot episode. The hard work is already done. Now it's just it's how are you going to distribute it and, and let people see it and get it in the right hands. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So how long did that take? What was the process of like writing it, doing the pitch deck, all that type of stuff? Bro, it was. It took about. Shook your head like man. It took. It took about. We started working on the on the script probably early mid summer. Mm-hmm. And then we've probably been working on the pitch deck back and forth for about two weeks now. Yeah. So the the pitch deck will will look way better than what I originally have it because my my it boy, good, bro. I appreciate it. But you already know, like everything gotta be a Christmas present. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm, I got my boy, my homie Tucker. Like, he's about to start working on the pitch deck and designing it to make it look and actually where you could see visually this 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 thing come to life. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, bro. Like. Like, I think now, like, I have enough people in the back, in, in, in my in my network, in my community, mm-hmm. where it's like, all right, like, I'm willing, I'm, I'm willing to invest in this mm-hmm. and, and see where it goes. Because like you said, like, yo, this got to get made. And with you saying that, like, imagine, like, you know, giving it to somebody who actually has, like, the power to actually make right. it come to life. Like they you got the me? finances. They got the resources. Like, exactly. yo. We need to get this done like yeah. tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's all in God's hands. Yeah. Like if if God decides like God wouldn't have put it in my head if, if I knew it couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Just how like he wouldn't have put it in my head to make through your eyes or, you know, to make uh to make the lust film. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've seen this it's almost like I've seen this story so many times where it's like I've had an idea in my head and put it to life and networked and, and helped it come to life and next thing you know, like people across the globe are watching it yeah you feel me yeah bro what is it how do you have so much patience trial and error bro yeah i've seen it happen Mm -hmm. like i know that anything great is it takes time Mm -hmm. like i got fired it took a year to make through your eyes like you have to be patient with, bro. When you're editing a film or 
you know, whatever, you have to be patient, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, through your eyes, with Trey's, with Trey's dialogue, we had two hours of footage. Mm-hmm. And we had to make it ten minutes. We had to we had to go through hours of footage. I know, like even with with uh, with the town, there's a process that I have to take that we as a team have to take to get this made. Mm-hmm. It might have to go through loopholes, finance. It, the script might not even turn out how 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 we have it written. It might not even turn out that way. Mm-hmm. It might turn out looking way different than that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I know I trust God and I trust. My, my my people behind me, I trust my team, my homies. Like I know that it's gonna take time to make this because but as long as it gets made, that's all that matters. Mm. And and I know now the power of what a budget can do behind something. The the Antonio Brown piece was the first project that I actually did that had like some some real like budget behind it. Yeah. And I see how it can look, how it can feel, the difference that sound can make and all that mm-hmm. i want the town to be the same way that antonio brown piece is fire bro so is that on your website because yep. i just the yep. link that she sent me was like players tribune or something yeah like that. but it's on my it's on my website okay okay it's on my website yeah um but i know everything great takes time yeah you know what i'm saying like right now i'm in album mode you feel me like <laughs> this is the town is like an album yeah you feel me so yeah. it's like I'm working with the right people, the right the right team. Like me and my the team that is working on this, bro. Everybody from the Bay. Mm-hmm. Everybody's from the Bay. Mm-hmm. Like it's either either they're from the Bay, or that like I've been rocking with whoever's rocking on this like for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I've literally sent it to multiple people, Word. multiple collaborators. Like I know if you if you help out in this way, like. I'm bringing in like everybody that I've connected with over the last like five years, ten years. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing them in on this. Yeah, and I'm you got to make it homegrown, bro. So that's yeah. why like the, every every writer that you see on this is gonna be from the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Everybody who's helping out is like people that I grew up with, and I'm still cool with. Word. So we so you got the patience down, but you also have the vision and you believe in yourself because you know what you can do. You've seen the results, and you know that guy got you, and you got four angels. That's that's on that's on your back, mm-hmm. right? So after the town comes out, I don't know when it's gonna come out, but it's gonna come out. Yeah, somebody's gonna pick it up. It's going to propel you. You got the Forbes, yeah. You know, so so the town comes out. Let's say, um, twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. right? What's the next step in your mind that you've mapped out? Do you have you even looked? I already got it. There? Okay, so what is it? Feature film. Okay. Feature film, bro. Yeah. Like. Short doc, commercial, TV series, mm-hmm. feature film, mm-hmm. like that's that's the trajectory that I'm right. on right now. Like, cool, I could do. I've done you know a music video for the homie. Mm-hmm. I've done a short doc. I've done commercials for Nike. Like, I'm gonna be able to do a TV series. Mm-hmm. Now it's like feature film is next. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like challenging myself. Like I can go from two minutes to five minutes to ten minutes to thirty to forty-five minutes to how do I do two hours potentially? Mm-hmm. How do I write with with my homies, like and my collaborators and my team? How do we go from writing a thirty-four page script to a two hundred page script? So, are you more interested in doing your own? That's what I'm saying. You want to do your own movie, or you want to be like Coogler and do something for a bigger studio? 
Or are you I'm not, not opposed to it? No, I'm not opposed to anything. Okay. <laughs> like, before Cooler made, before Cooler made Creed or, you know, or Black Panther, he did yeah, Fruitvale Station. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, there's levels to it, bro. Right. And it's like, you know, that's, that's how I just see my steps, bro. It's like, mm-hmm. you always say like, the next generation should do things at a faster rate. Mm-hmm. So, how I see it is Cooler made Black Panther at 32. I should be able to make like something on the equivalent of Creed or Black Panther by by the time I'm 28, 29. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm just what I'm doing. I'm just trying to go toe to toe with him, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Cougar never did a TV series, but how I see this TV series is my Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Like involved. That's in the Bay. You know what I'm saying? And then the next, who knows? Like maybe the next is like a Netflix original TV series or or I mean, not a TV series, but a feature film, or mm-hmm. you know, like if God, if what if God has it where it's like Netflix or Hulu, whatever FX, like my whole goal is to put my team on. Mm-hmm. Like FX saw what Atlanta did and offered like the writers and the directors their own separate contracts to produce longer form content for them. Mm. So that's that's all my goal is, whereas to like bring people up from the bay my homies and stuff on, on in the town mm-hmm. and then every single person has their own episode to direct write whatever right. win awards and then all of a sudden they all get their own deals off it yeah you feel me that's how that's how things should be you feel oh, me yeah. as far as like black growth and like black excellence it's just like you just use the platform and everybody else goes their separate ways you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying mm-hmm. and do their own big thing you yeah. feel me bro it's gonna happen. Oh, bro, it is. It's just a matter of time, cause I know you're not gonna quit. <laughs> nah. And you got the talent, so it's just it's just a matter of time. Nah, bro. I ain't how how quit. how big is it? You know, to be able to watch someone else's trajectory. You know what I mean? Like, does that does that give you comfort? Does it give you inspiration? Or you know what I mean? Like, uh, just talking about Coogler. You know, like, bro, there's there's a part of me when I see like Coogler or or Donald, there's a slight jealousy in me for a good way because I'm like I know I can be up there with him mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. when I saw a cooler get the producer role, role for um, Space Jam with LeBron mm-hmm. it's almost like it's like man bro that's dope as hell that's inspiring mm-hmm. but and there's a little inch in the back of my head where it's like that competitive nature where it's like yeah. alright bro now how are you going to do that same thing but better right you feel me? It's like almost like when Kobe was watching Jordan. You feel me? Like it was like when when guarantee where there's like when Cooler's like on like on his way doing stuff. There's gonna be another young cat coming up, and that young cat has to be me. Yeah. So I try to just emulate after after Donald and and Coogler and I just try to put the wittiness and the cleverness of Donald, but with the authenticity and rawness of Coogler and I just try to mix it. And that's Tevin. You know what I'm saying? Bro, that's a dope remix. Like, <laughs> if you put, the, if you can merge those two worlds, bro, like that's you unstoppable for real. No, nah, I appreciate it, bro. Because Donald Glover, man, when I watched Atlanta, I was just amazed. Like, I knew he was talented. I knew he was like a different type of cat. Like, I watched Breakfast Club interviews. Yeah, I watched I those just, interviews, and like I was just like, times. "Yo," talking to my Mondo you know, that I introduced. Yeah, you to, yeah. So I was like, "Yo, this dude, Donald Glover, like he's not like the best rapper." But that dude is like super smart. Like he's cl- like there's something different about him. Yeah. And then I remember him being on Community. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, this dude is weird. like yeah. he's really talented. Yeah. But then when he put out Atlanta, I'm like, yo, this dude is like, it don't. 
I'm trying to think of like what level. Like he, it's it's his own level. It's his own level. It's his own that's, level, that's bro. That's how it should be. Like yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not at all saying like I could sing or dance or rap or whatever, but I, I like I think like there's a there's a part of me that's like I want to get into acting. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. like I want to be able to do the trifecta, like mm-hmm. act, direct, write. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's almost like you that trifecta. It's like you see Donald can do it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's just like I'm just trying to. I, the, my biggest inspiration is just like I know how to convey storytelling to people Word. so even like sitting here telling stories like there's certain ways like you pause and how you move it's like it's it's all character shifting mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like and that's what all Donald does bro it's like earn like earn, he Donald there's been episodes where like for instance Teddy Perkins I think Donald wrote that directed in it and acted in it mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. And like that's that's like inspirational. You feel me? It's like, all right, bro. If, like, if he could do it, why can't I? You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. when you write, you almost know, and you're directing, you almost know how it should turn out. Because oh, directors yeah. are essentially actors, bro. Mm-hmm. Because they're tell they're coaching the actors on this is how you should convey it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the actors are taking the the inspirational like they're they're looking at the director like okay like the director. If he wrote it, he's directing. He knows how it should come out. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. So tell me about. I mean, you're only 24, yeah. so you was a baby when Spike Lee was doing his damage. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But do you, do you watch Spike Lee's movies? Oh, bro, you... without a doubt. I've okay, I seen Black Klansman, and, yeah. and I think like I seen him do the right thing. And, mm-hmm. and what did he do? He acted in it as well. He did. You feel me? So yeah. it's just like you see that. And you just try to like, how do I put my own twist on it? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I, how do I take a a Coogler, a Hiro Muari, a Steven Spielberg, a George Lucas, a Donald Glover, Ryan Coogler? How do I take that and try to just steal game from each of those and put it into my own taste? You feel me? Word, man. Um, I think we're gonna wrap it up with this, man. What what advice would you give to those who have an itch to start their own business? to follow their dream, you know, but don't know how or when to take that step. You got to take calculated moves, man. I think that you'll know when the time is right. Mm-hmm. I think for me, thank God, like, I don't think, I think God knew when the time was right. Cause I wasn't going to quit. Nobody's ever going to really quit their job. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are if you think about it and, and yeah you quit but like once it kind of you got to just trust trust in yourself mm-hmm. in your heart like if your heart is telling you like uh, I think the time is right mm-hmm. I think it's time to move on hey quit that job you know what I'm saying that's your working or if you're really like if you want to take that leap of faith you gotta say fuck it sometimes because mm-hmm. there's gonna be a moment where you you hit the ground and you're it hurts and you're damaged and you're feeling like what did I do? But the only way to go is up. Like, that's like, bro, I've already hit rock bottom. <laughs> you feel me? Like, I've already hit rock bottom. Like, now it's like, the only way I can go is up. Like, there's already, I already know how it feels to to be broke. Like, there's no fear of being broke anymore. Like, mm. I've already touched that ground. Now it's like, 
in two weeks, like Forbes magazine, like in a year it could be Netflix, FX, like yeah. making more money than I ever thought I could ever do. Right. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you have to really just say, fuck it. Like Kobe Bryant took three, I think he said, what, three game winning shots when he was a rookie versus Utah and airballed all three of them. <laughs> and the next year, and, and the rest is history. Yeah. You feel me? Sometimes you got to just say, like, fuck it. Mamba mentality. Like, mm. fuck it. Just go for it. Just go for it. Yeah. Because it's like if you have that fear, bro, then Lord knows, like, you may never reach what God has had you or your potential if you don't learn to take risk. So that uh that that security of having that that check every two weeks though you don't man ain't nothing secure bro even having a job because they could fire you the next day just like that <laughs> nothing secure these days bro nothing is secure oh that's real and I ain't got nothing against like individuals like that got nine to fives like bro you gotta get your money but you I'm just it. saying like you said like as far as security like. Nothing is secure in this mm. world. The only thing that's secure is your own brand. Mm. Is you. That's it. You're your only security. That's real. That's if, real. If I work at Jordan brand or, you know, Chick-fil-A, Walgreens, it don't matter. They could, they could, I could have a thousand dollars guaranteed every week and they could say, you know what? We're good. Company, our sales aren't doing that good. So we're going to have to let you go. Mm-hmm. That's real. You wasn't doing nothing wrong. It's just the company's not doing, doing yeah. it. You don't have to be doing nothing wrong. The company, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, it, it's like nothing is secure yeah. in this day to day. Yeah. You feel me? Unless you, the only thing that's secure is your what you have mentally mm-hmm. in your head. Mm-hmm. That's where the real riches are. Mm-hmm. You rich, you know, you got your, you got wealth, you know, mentally, physically, all that. Then you're good. That's real. That's real. Well, let's wrap this up with the Fab Five. This is five questions I ask everybody. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's good. So, question number one. What artist or album made you fall in love with hip-hop? Good Kid, Mad City. Oh, that was quick. You didn't have to think too much about that. Bro, one. that album. <laughs> that album is a movie. I told people, like, yo, that a movie. That album is a... Well, I think it says a short film by Kendrick Lamar on the front, bro. Oh, does it say that? Yeah, bro. My because, homie. like, I can visualize, like, yo, is it, like, this is just straight up, like, it sounds like a soundtrack to a movie. It is. Okay. It's, that, to this day, <laughs> is my favorite album, always will be, yeah. all, even when I'm an old head, like, you know, people are like, man, Nas, Illmatic. Nah, for nah. me, it's, it's it's Kendrick, Good Kid, Mad City. Because I could, I could tell you the day and the moment for when I first heard Shireen. Mm. I could tell you that movement. That was my, bro, that, man, that was when I was at junior college. Okay. That little movement right there was yeah. like when I was like grinding, trying to mm. get to Oregon. You That's feel funny. me? Yeah. That's crazy how like music in college like really propels you. Like for, for me, it was J Cole, right? Wasn't it J Cole that she said or not? Nah, it was graduation. It's graduation. Kanye West, okay. man. Because like my my senior year, like it had just came out, and I was like, it was my last last semester, mm-hmm. and I was taking like twenty one hours, bro, and I was working part time like thirty hours, thirty two hours a week, and I would work. I'll go to school, go to work from like you know, four to nine and then go to the library from nine yep. to whenever, that you know, grind, yeah, and that, that graduation, grind. like every night, like I was in, in the, and in there's the library, certain songs bro. that be making you like emotional. Like me and my shout out to my homie, my, I ain't even my homie, my brother Sharif, like me and him would talk about 
we had the, me and Sharif had the same journey, bro. Like me and Sharif both went to junior college, and we both because we're both the same age, we were both listening to like sing about me, I'm dying of thirst, real. Bro, I still to this day, like, there'll be moments where I'll be in my whip and I'll be listening to, like, Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst or, like, Real. And mm-hmm. I would, like, just picture, like, in my head just, like, the grind paying off. And I would, like, low-key tear up because it's just, like, there's moments where it's, like, you know, there's moments that you have in your whip where you just listen to songs where it's just you, your mind, and music. You know yo, what I'm saying? That is the most th- I'm trying to tell people that, like, yo, driving, like, people like... Don't you get tired of driving? You know, driving people all day. I was like, yo, if I got music, like I said, I dr- I used to drive. I used to do it all the time. Drop that. That was therapeutic for me, bro. Mm-hmm. At night, with my music and just my thoughts. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I and I to this day, even if I'm got somebody in the back seat, I don't care. You know what I mean. Like I'm zoned out, bro, and it's just me and my music, bro, and I mm-hmm. can just like be in my be in my zone. Yeah, you know that's it, bro. Yeah, that's just vibing it. out, bro. So. Man, so what about pre-Kendrick? What was something else like when you was coming up that was just like, yo, that's my favorite artist? Lil Wayne. Wayne? Because there was my cousins and my brother used to always listen to Lil Wayne. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm talking about Lil Wayne, like. Block is hot, Lil Wayne? Yeah, bro, like pre, like mixtape. Remember that era that he went through where he was just on like Lil Louisiana oh, and that all Lil that Wayne. stuff? He yeah, was when just freestyling he, like yeah, crazy. Yeah, okay. like stuff. Yeah. Bro, I would go to like football games and I'll be listening to like Currency, all Mac Man, all yeah. them. Yeah. I'm talking about like the moments before Carter III. Because oh, yeah. Carter so, III. Like, right when Jay Z retired and right, yeah, around that time. Like, I'm talking about Carter. So Carter III was dope. Yeah. But Carter Three was when he kind of went like mainstream. Yeah. I'm talking about when he was like young Lil Wayne, like real talk, like oh, yeah. had like was hopping on other people's beats and like just mixtape freestyling, like Louisiana, like he was bringing up all these younger artists, bro. I'm talking about not even when he had the long dreadlocks, but when he kind of just had the, the n- not even not even the braids, bro. Oh, okay. It was like it was like mid dreadlocks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was like. That Wayne went post Katrina Wayne, bro. Mm. Right after it happened, because he was standing there, like one day up in MIA today, Rekate, New Orleans. That's where I stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he had like that's when I I was listening. I was listening to Wayne, bro, hard in like the fourth grade, fifth grade, mm-hmm. sixth grade, mm-hmm. and I was listening to Currency, and bro, like that before Kendrick, like that was that that Wayne period, bro. Mm. Where no, was, he was on top at that point. Oh yeah, but that was even, that was before like the T Pain and all that. It was mm-hmm. like, bro, this is like when he. It was like Carter between the Carter two and Carter three. Yeah, that was little mixtape period. He bro. was rapping. Bro. Yeah, yeah, Wayne was rapping back then. Well, this is right up your alley, man. Question number two: Is there a movie that has affected your outlook on life? Man, bro, outlook on life. Fruitvale, Creed, and Black Panther. Coogler. All of his films, bro. Mm-hmm. I Fruitvale gets me every time because, like, it felt so... It was so true to the Bay. You, you could feel it, bro. Mm. You could feel it. Like, I remember when Oscar Grant passed... My, bro, my brother, fun fact, my brother went to school with Oscar Grant had a class with him mm. um and when you watch the film like from the music to the shots that they had like you can feel the authenticity of mm. it and even when you watch Creed but even when you watch Black Panther and like you see like you know 
you see like you know little little Killmonger like that moment where he went back to his uh, his dad's house mm-hmm. and it, it was like yo like why couldn't you take me or why couldn't they take me where he felt alone and you know you see you know the kids like come back you see uh, Chadwick Boseman to T'Challa you see him come back to Oakland and get back to the kids and mm-hmm. it's just crazy when you see where you from like being born and raised in the Bay Area and you see that emulated like on the big screen mm-hmm. and like everybody can see it Yeah, you know what I'm saying so like those three films when I saw it it was like motivational yeah, more motivational than ever bro mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying cause it's just like you don't even when you grow up in the Bay Area it's like you're so used to adapting to so many different cultures like Hispanic black um Asian, Filipino, like Hawaiian, Tongan, whatever. Mm. Why do you think when you watch those three films, they relate to everybody? Mm. It's because you grow up, you grow up around so many different perspectives in life. You know, like how to adapt to everybody. Mm. Like there was a 60 year old, like, you know, two 60 year old white women sitting next to me when I saw Black Panther. Mm -hmm. So it's like when you come from the Bay and you make any type of content and film, it's going to feel real, authentic, and it's also going to be relatable to everybody. Because when you, your mindset is already set to, oh, I know I know Hispanic people are going to mess with this. I know white people are going to mess with this. I know black people are going to mess with this. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just telling a black story. It's telling a, a, such a diverse story that goes beyond everybody's head. And it's all about human emotion and feeling. You feel me? That's dope. There's, there's like this... Um this concept that I've been thinking about and uh, I don't know if I'm going to do an episode or I might turn this into an actual like speech Mm -hmm. or something or just like a talk like when I'm doing um, it's like speaking gigs Mm -hmm. but it's going to be called um, the melting no what is it the melting pot versus the quilt and so the melting pot is like Assimilation, like you got all these different things, but then they get melted and they get turned into this new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's the quilt, where you have all these individual pieces and they get knitted together, and they're all connected, but they're still individual pieces, and you can still see, you can tell mm-hmm. the different pieces that make up the whole. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, what do we want to be as a society? Do we want to be a melting pot? Do we want everybody to assimilate? And just all be the or same quilt. and kind of lose, lose their individual properties and make this cool thing that comes together. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to be a quilt where you can still? It don't look the greatest, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's still kind of like, oh, that's kind of that's different and that's different. Mm-hmm. But it's like we still come together, you know yeah. what I mean? And just like, man, you should do a TED talk <laughs> <laughs> for real. But it's huh? like when you talk about the bay, yeah, and how is so many different cultures combined? It, it makes me think of like the quilt because it sounds like everybody still honors everybody and it's like just because you're tongue and like i don't you don't got to be like me and i don't got to be like you mm-hmm. but we all together and we still rock yeah bro and we, like and I, that and that <laughs> is beautiful for us to all come together and still be individuals but still come together yeah bro <laughs> you know? like i'll tell you like my i always joke like my middle school class like i had samoans tongans nigerian um blacks uh whites Mexican, Filipino, bro, we had so many different types of food, bro, like lumpia, Mexican food, like soul food. It's just like, bro, that was what I grew up around. Yeah. 
so it's just obvious like whenever I put, create a film with my homies it's like you're seeing all these different perspectives because it's just like that's just how my vision has been in my eyes and my language has been since I was young mm -hmm. because of how I grew up that way like like I said like you look at any Coogler film everybody loves it it's not a it's not a and no shame against like Tyler Perry but even Spike Lee it's a Coogler film is different from a Spike film mm -hmm. it's different from a, a Tyler Perry film mm -hmm. because it's not just a singular black film it's a film that's so relatable to everybody mm -hmm. and I think that's what sets Coogler so apart from a, a Spike or um, or Tyler Perry mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying like because he grew up in the Bay, he's he's able to see these different things. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's interesting. Like when all the videos came out, you know, with him and his interviews about them making Black Panther, and he always talking about like we went to this part of Africa and we pulled from this culture, and I had somebody do the research over here, and so it's like all these different cultures, all these different tribes yep. were connected. So when you seen um, Killmonger come in and talk to the family, and they showed all the elders. Yeah. But then was like different countries and like different tribes that okay. were represented. Yeah. But as if, like in real life, but in on there, it was just like Wakanda, but it was really different people. You absolutely, know I mean? yeah, absolutely, bro. Yeah, that's dope. Um, let's see. Question number three When you start to feel overwhelmed, how do you de stress? I work out, yeah. I think, like, that's one thing I do is every morning, every single morning, like mm -hmm. every day, I try to work out, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, if if I don't work out, like, that's how. Whether that's taking a run outside or in the gym, like how I sweat, like that's how I think about ideas, bro. Mm. Like I realized, I think I figured out a formula in college where it's like my creativity is based off how how I my creativity it comes from me like letting go, like I get more creative energy after I work out. Mm. You feel me? Mm. Like even right now, like I worked out this morning, even if it was like 30, 45 minutes, and it's just that. Now I'm able to talk. I know I could go be productive with my day because of I'm done. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel productive. Yeah. My body feels good. My mind feels good. You know, I'm drinking water throughout the day. Like, that's what keeps my mind and my creativity flowing. You know? Mm, that's dope. Um, question number four. What book would you recommend for everyone to read? Alchemist. Right <laughs> you spit that. I couldn't even finish it. Because, bro, like, that, that book, like. I'm going to write that down. That book is telling you about this young kid along his journey. And there's this one quote that sticks out to me. I think it's like if the whole universe, if you want something bad enough, the whole universe will work to make it happen. Mm. Wow. Who put you onto that? I think my, my mom or my dad mm. or one of the... Like, my mom, I think it was my mom, or I might have just heard about it in another book. Mm -hmm. And, I, like, I just heard about it and did the background info and I read it. And I need to read it again, but that's the one quote that sticks out to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you want something bad enough, the whole universe is going to work to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Like, I want the town to come together so bad, and I know, like, the universe will make it happen. If I want it bad enough and I work hard at it. Yeah. So that's why I get excited every morning that I wake up because it's like I never know what I'm going to wake up to. You know what I'm saying? When you go back home, mm -hmm. can you go to Oakland 
mm-hmm. and find the homies, or do you got to go to Antioch, or do you got to go to other cities? Oh, Brandon, like, nah, one of my best friends, Marcus, he still lives in Oakland. Okay. And my other homie, Yakub, uh, just moved out to Atlanta to go to Morehouse. Okay. And my other homie, Jasmine, like, she just lives in New York. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And the other homie, Tunde, he lives in New York. So it's like I still got plenty of homies that still live in the Bay, still live in Oakland. Yeah. Um, so that's why I said I'm still I'm still tapping in. That's why I love Google Docs and Google Slides so much is because, like, I could literally just send an email and I could share with people the pitch deck. I could share with people the script. I'm sharing it with everybody that I grew up with, bro. Mm-hmm. Everybody that I, I haven't – maybe if I haven't gotten it to everybody, but I'm sharing it to everybody that's still back in Oakland, people that have moved out. I'm sharing it with everybody, bro. Mm-hmm. So people could see before, like, th- they're already seeing it. Where it's not going to come as a surprise, people are going to be like, Psh. like, I've already seen the script, the background <laughs> info, like, this is how it's going to help. Because I'm just trying to get as many perspectives as possible. Bro. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I say that because, like, you know, coming back home to Portland, bro, like, it's just not... You know, going through the various neighborhoods, like off of Alberta, stuff like that. It's just like, yo, it's not the same, man. Like, it just don't feel like home, you know? So, it's just like, does Oakland still feel like home for you, bro? It does. Okay. Because, you know, when I go back to my grandma's house where she used to live, and, you know, I go to, you know, whether it's my aunts or my uncles who live in Oakland, um, and I go back, whether I go to the homie's house, mm. um... It still feels the same. Like when you watch a a Raider game, or you watch a, a and you and you watch a Raider game, or you know you see people talking about it. It's just like, or you go back to you know where I used to get my hair cut. You know when I was a real young boy, um, talking with my pops and talking with my uncles, and you know you see the EOYDC, and it's just like the foundation is still there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying the only thing changing is just the the these big companies around it mm-hmm. from what i've from what i've heard yeah and um it's just it's no matter what you do like oakland is still gonna have that strong black like moving forward type of that that spirit you know yeah. that hustle because all my friends bro like all my friends are entrepreneurs <laughs> all my friends are entrepreneurs That's all the people close to me all like it, they all have dreams and hopes of one day like doing their own thing yeah. and that's such the difference I always say in the Bay Area mm-hmm. Oakland is everybody has this strong entrepreneur mindset mm-hmm. that's what comes out of there you know what I'm saying like everybody is thinking to how do you do for self but also do for the community yeah. you feel me that's real that's dope and that's good that like you still got family that's heavy you know what I mean cause um it I know it makes a difference for me cause my parents when they sold their house they moved out to Washington <laughs> You know what I mean? And then, you know, Bruh. my sister lives in Vancouver. And I was just like, yo, I'm the only one of my family that I got. And I, my immediate family is, like, spread out. Like, I got a two a brother and a sister in Texas. Mm-hmm. And all my aunts and uncles is, like, from Ohio and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, now I don't really feel like home. I got some homies, whatever. Yeah. But it still is, like, even the homies' grandmas then moved out to Grishumer. Yeah. That's out the to thing. Beaver, you got out to Vancouver. The and stuff that and then and my wife's family is deep in Portland, but a lot of them live in Washington. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like we all Things grew became up here. too expensive. Yeah. yeah. I'm already knowing, bro. Yeah. So it's just like when I go back home, like I always make an effort to like me and my homies, we always get together and we go to this one view spot. Mm. It's, it's, it's in uh, Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And it's like 
we always go there and we just reflect on just like how our years have been and just like what we want to do. Yeah. You feel me? Like when I talk to my homie Marcus, like, and he's still staying, like he's still staying and like, you know, he's still staying in Oakland and he'll be telling me like, nah, bro, like, man, we going to have like, <laughs> like we're going to have Marshawn in this. We're mm-hmm. going to have like Mr. Fab. We're going to have, you know, all these people from the Bay, like in Oakland, especially like we're going to have all these people being able to get back to this TV series. Yeah. And this is really going to be that one that makes everybody proud. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So how tight is Oakland, bro? Like when, it, when you talk about the celebs and stuff, like it's not on no celeb type. Nah, stuff it's it not at all, to, bro. Cause yeah. the thing is you'll catch like Mr. Fab. You like, you'll see him like, you feel me? Like getting food, mm-hmm. you know, in the neighborhood, you'll mm-hmm. see E40, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you'll see, all these different people that are still rooted and deep rooted in the community. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, you'll see, you'll, you'll mess around and see Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he, that's how hard he, he messes with Oakland. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's never been the place to be like, you know, it's all oh, celebrities and this, that like, bro, like if you really, Marshawn will, <laughs> you, I'm highly, it's highly likely you'll see Marshawn at his own shop, like in downtown Oakland. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, that's just, it's this real authentic, place bro and that's where all of us get our real and authenticity from is like when you grow up in the bay like you're never you're never accustomed to like being fake at all mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like everybody there that i know is like they always keep it a hundred they always keep it real and i think that's what separates us from everybody across the country you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like it's new york it's like man people got the attitudes and mm-hmm. all that and la it's super flashy but in the bay it's like super real yeah super real yeah you know what i'm saying like even at atlanta like atlanta they're still like they have their upscale moments and all that mm-hmm. but and that's the one thing i will say in the in the bay is like everybody's pretty grounded and rooted like in in actually realness and authenticity yeah. you feel me yeah that's dope man all right final question bro question number five what message do you want communicated at your eulogy that I really tried to inspire people. Um, and also I wanted to uplift the people around me. Mm-hmm. I think like, I think I, I like my biggest, my thing is I want to inspire people through my creativity. Mm-hmm. And I figured that out when I was about a sophomore junior in college. Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as that, inspire through my creativity. Through film, through photography, through how I think, whatever that speech is, per, like anything, I inspire with my creativity. Inspire others to like do better, save the world, you know, uplift their community, give back to the younger generation, uplift cities. You know, it's like I know my creativity is a tool that I can use to help help get people to the next level. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And to inspire them to just do anything in life. You right. know. If y'all listen up to this point and you're not inspired, man, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't, I don't know what's bruh. going on with, with your heart, man. Right now. Bruh. But uh, man, you are inspiration, man. Being as, as young it. as you are, but yeah, as focused man. and as grounded, and just seeing you in this short period of time, just like you doing your thing, and you just like got these notches on your belt. I'm like, yo. But he's been in it for like two, three years, so it's like it's it's due time, bro. You know, so that it gives me inspiration because I've been doing this for about 18 months and stuff is starting to happen and, and people are approaching me about doing like live shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm like, oh, right. live shows be lit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So I was like, people was, they, they hit me up about it. And so now it's just like, 
you know, getting the money right and getting the getting the people together and all that. But it's just it's a matter of time, man. So it's only a matter of time, bro. Like I said, like I'm just trying to make the bag proud, bro. Word. Like I've been doing films and for like the last four or five years and. You know, now I can finally do something for the Bay, you know, for Oakland. You know, it, it's like, I know this this TV series is going to jump off. Yeah. And, bro, it's just, you know, it's, it's all in God's hands. You feel me? Well, see, I'll be on the lookout for the town, man. It's, it's coming soon. Uh, eventually, it's going to be out. It's going to be dope. Um, tell the folks, once again, your website and how they can get a hold of you, social media, whatever the case might be. Man, so you can go to Google and type in T-E-V-I-N. And my last name is Tavares, T-A-V-A-R-E-S. You can follow me on Instagram, uh, Tevin, T-E-V-I-N dot Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N. Word, word. And you can hit me up um, on Instagram and on Twitter for the show. It's um, at SXSNDLS. My personal Instagram, Emmanuel since 85 On Facebook, uh, just type in my government, Emmanuel Williams. And uh, we're going to highlight y'all next week. So, uh, once again, it's the Socks and Sandals podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide. And we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. And you have just been tuned in with Tevin Tavares on the Young Black Entrepreneur Series. Highlight y'all. Grace and peace. Loosest leaves of my loose leaf, my flaws and all, see? I'm fragile, but by grace I am choosing peace over losing sleeping. I must say these sandals fit quite nicely over these pre-release. Nike sacks, Birkenstocks, oh, what a faux pas. Unmasked, unabashed, unashamed. Uh, hear the voice set up unacclaimed, yeah. Hear the voice set up unacclaimed. Maybe that's a taboo. Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact I was used to wearing bad shoes, uh. Nike socks, Birkenstocks, oh, what a faux pas, unmasked, unabashed, unashamed, uh, hear the voice set up unacclaimed, yeah, hear the voice set up unacclaimed, maybe that's a taboo, maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact I was used to wearing bad shows. Bad shows. <laughs>